Hello, everybody. This is Josh Price, and you are listening to the Mark Price for Three podcast. Each episode, my dad will be talking NBA basketball, sharing some coaching and instruction, and of course, talking about his faith. Without further delay, here's my dad, Mark Price. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Mark Price for Three podcast, episode 59. Today's a, a big day. We've got a new thing for the Mark Price for Three podcast. This is a three-time returning guest. So, Mark, I'll let you introduce our guest. He's a fan favorite, and uh, I'll just let you take it from here. Well, we're welcoming Sam Amico back to the program. Welcome, Sam. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be back a third time. I think, Mark, weren't you a three-time All-Star? So, well, three-time. Well, four, but I'm not going to. Well, I'm not I better a be on again if I want to make that. <laughs> uh, it's good to have you again. I know you've been your day to day now with the Cavaliers. We had talked about that before. And so we're excited to kind of catch up. And obviously, I've been around more this year with my, my new role with the Cavs, but I'm not there on an everyday basis. So kind of gets your vibe here at the beginning of kind of where the Cavs are at at this this moment. Obviously, it's it's a funny situation because they're They've won seven out of their last 10 games, but yet there's still some kind of feel that the team's not really there yet. I mean, if if that's kind of the feel, it's uh, I know they in the midst of this seven out of 10, they lose to Portland and and so uh, at home. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are just still looking for that. If consistency is the right word uh, and I can just get your thoughts, you know, you're behind the scenes, what the what you feel like the vibe is right now with 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 the with the group. Yeah, I think the vibe's pretty good right now. You know, as fans and and media members tend to do focus on the the negative, the one bad, which really was that Portland loss. A game you were up 40 to 24, looked great, and then all of a sudden it just they hit a wall there where where everything sort of fell apart and I think you know, everybody remembers what happened last. Of course, they bounced back and beat the Pistons, but Still, people are like, well, that that never should have happened, that Portland loss. And I just think it, it, in today's NBA, you're going to lose some games that you're supposed to win for whatever reason. Maybe you're getting overconfident. I, I think that can happen in any any sport in any level. But overall, I think when they're healthy, you know, you think back to Tuesday, two nights before that Portland loss was probably their best win of the year, or at least most complete game where they, they really handled the Hawks. So... You know, I think you know the word. Yeah, look, trying to keep them consistent. If you're JB Bickerstaff, and, and and really trying to keep, you know, a semblance of guys healthy. It seems like when they're healthy, this is really where the seven out of ten has come from. Is that they've been mostly whole during that run, and people forget they had a really good win without Donovan Mitchell at Philadelphia. So, you know, they're they're able to win games like that on the road. But you, you lose to Portland at home two nights after your most complete game of the year. Then you go to Detroit, look okay, beat a Pistons team that's really down. So, you know, you want to try to keep some momentum going. You know, and I've heard J.B. Bickerstaff say at some point we feel like we're going to rattle off eight out of nine wins at some point or, you know, go on a seven-game winning streak or something. But we just have to have all our pieces and, and be consistent. Yeah, I think to me, one of the upsides right now is that even when in seven out of 10, Donovan Mitchell's not playing at the level 
that he was playing at last year. And so for, you know, to, to me, that's a, that's a bright side because once he gets going again, that's only going to make him better, better and better and stronger because he was such a force in, in them winning and losing last year. And for some reason, you know, whether it be in and out of the lineup, Aaron and I have talked about this on the podcast, how, how difficult it is, you know, from my experience as a player, being in and out of the lineup and and being able to get that groove going and 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 getting in the zone, so to speak, is very difficult without being consistently playing every single day and getting in that what I call game NBA shape. You lose it so quickly when you're sitting out games and things like that. So, you know, I see that as a positive for the Cavs because Mitchell hasn't yet hit his peak this season as he did last year. So when he does that, I think it puts them at a whole different level. Do you agree with that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And he does seem, you know, especially as you know, Mark, when you, when you miss some time with a leg injury, you know, because then you're really not even able to get some reps in and practice. And he uh, was out with a hamstring injury for a couple of games. He injured it in their game at Portland, the game they won and then missed a couple of games. And it seemed like when he came back, that I think it was for that Lakers game, he wasn't completely right. You know, they, they had a back-to-back that weekend. He shot 418 against the Lakers. And the next night, they had another home game against the Raptors, and he shot 417. They were able to manage to, to beat Toronto. But if you remember, that they were really scrapping and really had to, you know, nip and tuck to win that game. Right. And then, then he came back and had a really, really nice game against Atlanta. But... And again, as you were saying, they put together their best game because he was really at his best, probably one or two best games of the season for him right there. So, yeah, and he tried. You could, you could see he tried to bring them back against Portland. They they were up 16, went down 12, and then he really was trying to bring them back in the game at the end of the game and, and give them a shot to win. But, yeah, I think. I think an important thing, too, is to keep Ian Garland in the lineup, you know, for them to have the good fortune of having both of them in the lineup at the same time, because it seems like it feels like they're still getting kind of used to playing with each other and who needs to defer when, you know. So I just think that this team, the starting five, you threw in a newcomer and Max Struess just needs more reps together. And, you know, you hope to get that. It's better if you're going to have the injury issues to have them now. And, and get your reps together in starting in January and, and and then in the spring when the playoffs are here, you're, you're feeling comfortable and confident with your teammates. No doubt. No doubt. They're right in the middle of the grind, as as we like to talk about in NBA circles. And yeah, that's just that's what it is. You know, you're grinding it out. You're grinding wins. You're just putting yourself in position to get to the playoffs that's what that's what matters and then hopefully you're healthy and you're grooving and you're playing your best basketball at the, at the right time and that's that's i think the long view that which is hard now it used to be easier to have a long view back in my day sam uh when you didn't have <laughs> 24/7 social media and espn coverage i mean every single every single day somebody's got a comment to make and they're not doing this and they're not doing that and it's really hard to keep your eye on the prize so to speak of the long game that, hey, you know, hey, we're not playing great, but we still got the W, right? I mean, it used to be a W is a W, doesn't matter what it looks like, uh, as long as you get the W. So I think the Cavs are going through that a little bit, and they are scrapping some games out, like you said, the Toronto game, and even Detroit. They didn't play great, but 
you know, they got it done against a team that they needed to beat. So there are some positive signs in this and and hopefully at some point they'll hit that hit that run like JB's talking about, winning eight out of nine, whatever, go on a streak and really, really start feeling good about themselves. Well, you talk about the long game, Mark, real quick. I thought the other day when they beat the Hawks, I wrote a story that was 800 words, which is usually way over my word count. And I said, you know what? I I need to slow down. There are 61 more of these if you don't include the playoffs. So then I thought, if I feel this way, you know, I can't imagine how they feel because they're going out on the court and doing this. So, yeah, definitely, definitely, you know, it's easy, like you said, to lose sight that, hey, we've got three times more regular season left than they've already played. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely a marathon. Well, let's Sam, let's jump away from the Cavs for just a moment and just talk about the NBA as a whole right now. There's there are some have been some interesting stories this year. One in particular, maybe because I played my last season there as a player and I also coached there, but talk about your thoughts on this Orlando Magic team. I mean, they they gotta be the they gotta be the story of the NBA so far. I mean, I don't think anybody at the beginning of the year would would have thought that out of the gate, Orlando might be 14 and five or, you know, what, you know, 14 and six or whatever the record is at this current stage, you know, what's, what's going on down there in Orlando? Well, I think, you know, it is a surprise in the fact that they're so young with, with Wagner front, both Wagner's Franz Wagner and, and Mo. And, and then of course, Banchero and, you know, Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony, they're just so young but they're so balanced and, you know, not a lot of people talked about Jamal Mosley as their coach. He's kind of an unknown, unless you're really a diehard fan, of course, to know him Cleveland as a former Cavs assistant, but has really done a nice job bringing that group together. I don't think that they have one guy who's like, boy, he is the, you know, for sure all-star, but they really have a lot of guys who play very well together, young team kind of like the 89 Cavs, they have all their pieces there and and really just, you know, if you were, I'm sure you remember, Mark, how you guys shot out of the gate that year and kind of surprised everybody. This team is similar to that. They're playing team basketball. They have a lot of weapons, a lot of guys who can do a lot of things, very versatile team. And, you know, they've managed so far to keep all their key pieces healthy, which is always important. But, you know, just a nice young team with a lot of pieces and a lot of guys who have played unselfish. Uh, when, when I saw them, you know, play against the Cavs, the Cavs weren't fully healthy. But, yeah, it reminded me of a team. It's like these guys really do a nice job of sharing the ball. Nobody's forcing anything. And, and really, you know, sometimes these young teams come out playing with a ton of energy, lots of hunger. And it seems like, you know, they they've really gotten their act together can they you know sustain it obviously the eastern conference very tough but this is very promising for them moving forward you know and then you you look out west the big surprise out there of course would be the timberwolves 15 and 4 really it seems to me they they have all the pieces with with conley but go bears been uh, i'm sorry with with anthony edwards and 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 go bears been outstanding defensively and and mike conley of course is uh, really a professional and really seems to have brought that unit unit together. So those are the two big biggest surprises to me so far without a, without question. 
Yeah, I think it's it's always fun to me. You hear the same teams year in, year out, and and things like that. It's I think it's good for the NBA as a whole to kind of have some fresh faces and some fresh uh, teams in the mix. And, uh, you know, with, you know, what are your thoughts on, because I think a lot of people, at least after last year, talking about Minnesota, they didn't see the two big guys working out together, you know, Gobert and Big Cat and, 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 you know, that thought that maybe that was a mistake trying to go that route in today's game, the way it's small ball in a lot of ways. Uh, but the rise, obviously, of Anthony Edwards, which happened a lot this summer playing for Team USA, he really separated himself and became a star in this league. Maybe started toward the end of last year, but, you know, really this summer, I think he really started and made a difference and has made a big step. And then you got leadership there, Gobert, Mike Conley, guys that have been around. And so they're going to be an interesting team to see if uh, they can keep this thing going. But what are your thoughts on what they've done different maybe with those two big guys this year that that kind of was a struggle uh, for them the last couple of years? Yeah, I think that, you know, it, it took that they had some injury uh, issues last year, too. But I think sometimes it just takes guys a little bit to get used to playing together, especially really when Carl Anthony Towns and Gobert are both really centers, uh, almost in the old school sense. So I think that that, that kind of it took them some time to get used to playing together. And then really, to me, from what I've seen, I've only seen them a few times, but it looks to me like, you know, Anthony Edwards is their top option offensively, whereas in seasons past, he might have been number two to Towns. Um, right. And they seem to have figured out, you know, hey, let's have Edwards be our top option. And Towns being 1A is a pretty good 1A. It's just you're starting really, even though you have two big guys, you're starting the offense almost playing inside out with Edwards, right. and it just seems to be working that better. I think Mike Connolly has been a big boost. They got him at the trade deadline, and I think with him, you know, just really a professional, a setup guy, he really keeps guys together in the locker room, really, really kind of a leader that they needed when you're talking yeah. about Edwards and Towns or younger guys. But Conley and, like you said, Mark, Rudy Gobert, those guys have tasted success before in the playoffs, and I think that that helps a lot too. So, you know, a big surprise with them. Again, you know, you've got Denver out there. You've got Phoenix probably get its act together at some point. You know, the Lakers, the Warriors, the teams that we always hear about, but they they seem to the, – the one thing with Denver and Orlando is both – or I'm sorry, Minnesota and Orlando, both of those teams really defend pretty well, and that obviously can take you places. No doubt. No question about it. I guess, you know, you mentioned the Lakers, uh, obviously, particularly for those, you know, our listeners in the Cleveland area. You know, there's always interest in what's going on with LeBron James and obviously at his age, and, you know, the question is, you know, does he have enough to to win championships anymore? I guess is is the big question. Obviously, Anthony Davis is a great player. Uh, do they need another piece out there? Do you think, or can they somehow get it going? Right now, I just don't see it with the team as it's made up for them to be able to get past the Denver's and the you know Phoenixes and the teams like that in in, in a seven game series. And what, in your opinion? You know, what what would that piece look like 
you know, what kind of player is that that they you feel like they need? Is it a primary score to take some load off of LeBron just because of his age and things like that to where he doesn't have to have to get you 30 every night and he can be kind of more of his all around, you know, pass, you know, first kind of mentality that he likes to play with, with good players around him. Or is it something that, you know, LeBron's going to do something that nobody's ever done, you know, as a 39 year old kind of lead his team through. Can he, can he do that in your opinion, you know, Sam at this stage? Well, I certainly wouldn't bet against them, but uh, it does seem like they need, you know, some more outside shooting or another score on a consistent basis. Of course, they've been linked to Zach Levine of the Bulls. For right now, it sounds like they would have to give up way too much to get him. And, you know, there's a contract. He has a big contract, and that's something you always have to factor in when you're talking about trade. But it does seem like if you're going to compete with the Denvers of the world or, or, or Phoenix or some of those other teams, that you're going to have to go out and get another another score to take some of the load off LeBron. I mean, he's going to be 39 at the end of the month and you're, you're asking him really to consistently be your guy. When they take him off the court, they're a totally different team. I think they're, you know, they go from a plus minus of plus 12 to negative 20 or something along those lines. Yeah. It's not good. Even with Davis out there, it does seem like if you watch them and even just looking at their box scores, when Anthony Davis plays well, when he's their primary scorer, they win more often than not. When he's right. not and he has those games where he's down in the 10, 12 point range and doesn't have a lot of rebounds, it doesn't seem to matter what else LeBron does, whether LeBron has a 30 point game or not, they don't fare as well. So, you know, obviously you want you want Anthony Davis to be consistent, which you you know, you, you really don't have too many doubts about that at some point. He's going to figure that out, but and we saw him in Cleveland. I mean, we, we you know, they, the Lakers came into Cleveland. Anthony Davis was amazing, and, and the Lakers walked away with the win. So it really, the team almost goes as he goes because you know LeBron is going to do his stuff. I think they need another outside shooter just watching them. If they yeah. could luck into somebody like a Cam Johnson with the Nets, you know, it just seems like they could use some help from the perimeter. That's currently constructed. Again, I never count out LeBron, even at this age. But I, I just, you know, we saw what happened with them last year against the Nuggets. And I think if they ran into a team such as Denver or, or another good team with, you know, a guy like Kevin Durant and Phoenix, they could they could run into some problems in the playoffs as, as they're built now. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. They definitely need that another score, another shooter to put them in the mix. But Aaron, what do you got uh, for us? What What do you got for for Sam? Well, that's all good stuff. There was a lot of Tar Heels mentioned in there. I'm just going to say Cam Johnson and some <laughs> other guys. I agree with you. I think the LeBron problem too is is it's been a LeBron problem. Not and I say problem in air quotes, but I think that's been the thing with LeBron. No matter what team he's on, you know, every year they say, oh, he's going to get less minutes. He ends up playing more minutes. Every year they say, oh, he needs more help, and then he ends up dominating. Like that's just the LeBron thing. It's the good and the bad with him, in my opinion. I got quick questions for you, Sam. Some rapid fire stuff. Uh, a lot of talk about JBB on the hot seat what are your thoughts i don't think he's on the hot seat at this point you know you you i think that people might because when lebron james was in cleveland they expected you make the playoffs you go to the finals. you know so but i think in reality they're on track to what they should be doing the Cavs getting in the playoffs they faced a veteran team a lot of Cavs were playoff rookies 
you know, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen had barely played in the playoffs. So I, I think that they're on pace to do what they thought they would do. And they have won seven out of 10. So I, I, I don't think that there's any sense that, that, that JB would be in trouble at this point. All right. Next up, how much of this early season do you really think had to do with the in-season tournament? Did the guys care you being around the team? Did they care? Uh, apparently during Atlanta, they did care, but at that point it was almost too late because they poured it on and they knew their point differential and all that kind of stuff. How much of the in-season tournament do you think really mattered to these guys? Well, I think they cared once they got it figured out, <laughs> you know, it was a <laughs> hard thing to learn, you know, they, they when they beat Detroit, they played Detroit early in the season, in the in-season tournament. And I don't think they realized at that point that, and in fact, they even mentioned that, yeah, point differential counts in this tournament. So they kind of, you know, they lollygagged to a win over Detroit at home, beat them by like eight. We're in control the whole way. Probably could have beat them by 30. Just didn't know, didn't know yeah. the rules at that time. So, you know, I think once they got uh, into it, and, and kind of figured out the the rules and everything being new, then yeah, then you then you started to care and and want to go and and give it a shot. Now, did they care as much as you know they would for playoffs or anything like that? No, not even close. But you know, it was something extra for them to to be incentivized about. So I I think they I think they cared enough. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, two more for you. Where are we at with injuries and especially Ty Jerome? Like, I, I thought it was just an ankle. Uh, I do you know? Do you know how long it's going to be on Ty? No, I. You know, they haven't really indicated that. They they. It seems like truly is a mystery to them. He did. You know, he was putting up some jumpers. I guess like a week or so ago, and he couldn't wouldn't feel comfortable landing on it. So he's kind of just out there shooting set shots, and then. I think it was the Atlanta game or either Atlanta or Portland. I, you know, I saw him out there with a air cast on. So it sounds like, you know, it's a high ankle sprain. And when those things, you know, again, going back to your legs or your, your ankles, you're, you're trying to use those to get back on the court. And sometimes it can end up uh, making it worse or just not having it heal. So, you know, the last time I talked to JB about it or asked him at the press conference was last week, and he said he thought uh, Ty was still a ways away. So, which is which is not like JB. He'll usually bring good news, but yeah. but yeah, he said sounds like he's still a ways away. So I would probably expect to see him. Just a you know, I'm just guessing here. This isn't any inside information, but I'm thinking after Christmas. Well, the. The good thing is it's allowed for the emergence of Porter Jr., who's been a great surprise early in the season. But I know Mark and I both are looking forward to seeing Ty Jerome, you know, what he can contribute. Last question for you, speaking of up-and-coming players, what do you do with the Monty Bates? I know the fans, fans don't, I mean, obviously the fans are, you know, they see box scores, right? You see behind the scenes, is there a place for Imani Bates or are we just going to have to be patient and wait? Yeah, I just thought that last night I was thinking about him because he's been playing very well in the G League. He looks really good in practice with the Cavs a lot of times. It just comes to a point that, you know, there are only so many minutes in an NBA game. You have 48 minutes. You have eight to ten guys already that you feel are pretty good, are veteran players. You know, Craig Porter Jr., here's the difference. There's a spot there for him with Ty Jerome having gone down then of course 
Garland and Mitchell went down, that really opened the door for Craig Porter Jr. He made the most of those minutes that, that he got. So with Bates, I think it's just a position thing. You know, you're pretty well man there with Mobley, Okoro, LaVert, when you're talking about the power forward, small forward spot, which is what Bates plays, it just seems like it's a numbers game with him right now. But yeah, I think at some point we may see more of him actually playing in a Cavs uniform just because he's been he's been so good both in the G League and and at practice. So yeah, you just got to be patient, I guess. You know, the good news is the front court's staying pretty healthy, so he's not getting any minutes. But, you know, at the same time, people want to see him play. It's just, it's there's no sense in bringing him up if he's only going to play a minute or two here and there. Right, right. Mark, what do you got face segment? Well, I just think, you know, we're coming off Thanksgiving. And, you know, we obviously all have, have so much to be thankful for. And, you know, I always, Thanksgiving is always time to just, I think a family and spending time together, all the things you're thankful for, but getting through Thanksgiving is my favorite part of the year. I love Christmas. <laughs> you know, I, I love Christmas, the time of year, obviously the, the reason for the season, you know, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ was, was born and, you know, came to this earth to, to save us. And so, you know, I guess I might just ask, you know, as a kid, if, you know, we're all, we're all getting up there a little bit, if we can remember when we were kids anymore, maybe just one kind of really cool Christmas, maybe gift you got one time or just a special Christmas memory from, from both of you guys that, that really something that is just above the rest of it a little bit, you know, over all the years. Sam? Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind when anybody, obviously, like you said, Mark, the reason for the season is always is, you know, I love for me, I always look forward to Christmas service, mm, um, yes. whether it's a lot of times it's usually Christmas Eve or whatever. I just yeah. always have loved that uh, going back to when I was a little kid. Yeah. I always feel like, you know, that's the one time you can have all your family together and everybody's quiet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. respectful, and it's just I've always and always enjoyed that. I always feel like a sense of sadness when the service is over because right. I I just like it so much, and it's really gives you an opportunity to reflect and, and, and you know as well as be in the present with your family and, and and celebrate the Lord, you know, and His birth. So that's. That's always like my favorite moment from year to year. My biggest memory would be something that's not very Christ-like or Christmas at all. But I remember my parents kept talking about when I was like 12, maybe 12, maybe even younger, talking about getting me an Atari game system when they first came out. Yeah. And I, I was just, I, that's all I cared about. That's, I didn't care about anything else that Christmas. And I remember my parents would keep the presents in a closet and they were wrapped. And I went in and kind of, you know, fidgeted with the wrapper to look because <laughs> I was just so excited on Christmas Eve. So, yeah, I went in and snuck a look at my present before Christmas. So really, I never admitted that until right now. So you know, this has been, been good for me to finally let it out. But uh, Sam, you've come clean. I came clean, but I, 
I got the Atari, yeah. So, which I found interesting because my my dad ended up playing it almost more than I did. But yeah, it was a that was probably my one memory was I was just so excited to get that Atari. I must have been younger because it was before I got my first basketball, and then you know as you get older, that that was really what excited you most. But yeah, the 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 sneaking of the Atari was probably something I'm not real proud of, but. It was. It's still a cherished memory, no less. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. What about you, Aaron? What's What's that one one thing you are the one surprise or that one gift that just you wanted, you just had to have, and Santa came through for you? <laughs> well, I'll be the contrarian. I agree with Sam. Christmas Eve was always amazing at, at eighty three Woodrow in Bedford, Ohio. My mom. That was her, it was like a, a wedding ceremony every year. She just put everything out, all the bows and everybody that came over after Christmas Eve service would get a gift from the tree. She'd make something new every, I mean, it was just her, you know, Super Bowl. And my dad was always busy in the kitchen, you know, <laughs> keeping everything out there in the buffet on the piano. And I, I just, yeah, I mean, just great memories and so many great families that would come every year you know, looked forward to it. That was really special. But from the contrarian perspective, the one thing I always wanted was a VCR. <laughs> We're really dating ourselves here, but Sam with his Atari, but I always wanted a VCR. My family was very religious. We didn't have a lot of albums in the house. We didn't have things like that. But for some reason, the very first VCR movie they got was Purple Rain by Prince. And it was almost, <laughs> so it was almost the last time we had a VCR. Because <laughs> We popped it in, you know, excited to watch a movie at home. And yeah, my parents were not happy, not, <laughs> not happy with my movie choices or music for that matter. And so, yeah, that was, that was almost the last time we got, but they, they did hold on and keep the VCR for us. But uh, thankfully I got to, you know, record Cavs games on channel 43 uh, and, and watch them back. And I still have one in my basement of Ron Harper doing a 360 in a Philadelphia 76ers game. He stole the ball from Barkley and, did the most amazing 360 layup I've ever seen in my life in all my years, still to this day. I have no idea how that ball went in, but uh, yeah. So I got a VCR. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I grew up, one of my favorite all-time memories is the Christmas Eve service as well. You guys mentioned, but you know, the church I grew up in always had a big Christmas pageant that they would, they would put on you know, for like a week. I mean, and, you know, people would come from all over and it was basically the, 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 the replicating the story of Jesus and with music and all the different things. And I just look, so look forward to that every year. It was just, there's something about that, you know, just the story, right. The story of, of Christmas, the story of Joseph and Mary and, and the birth of Jesus was just, just something that, it was so special and I enjoyed all those years. And so uh, that was a great, great, great memory for me. And uh, my big thing is I love Christmas music. I mean, I just wait, you know, like I said, I enjoy Thanksgiving. It's a great holiday. I love it. Literally the next morning, the Christmas music starts, you know, and I, I know people now kind of skip over Thanksgiving. I mean, you start hearing Christmas music in, <laughs> in November. I'm like, man, that's just not, that's not right, man. That's yeah. not right. You know? But, uh, you know, it's time to put the decorate, you know, it's not a Clark Griswold Christmas. You know, I'm not up on my roof putting lights up, but all the all the bushes and trees on the ground have have lights on them. So I, I love decorating and Christmas is just one of my favorite times of the year. So, you know, it's it's so it's so great. But like I said, to encourage all of our listeners out there, man, everybody has their Christmas things and their favorite Christmas movies that we watch. But don't let 
all the all the stuff get in the way of of remembering why we celebrate Christmas, and that's to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. Absolutely. Yeah. Mark, do you have a favorite Christmas gift from childhood that you remember? Well, I think probably I think it was the first because you know it just always revolves around basketball. You know, <laughs> my fam, my dad was a coach, whatever, but. I mean, this is talking about dating us, right? I I remember getting my first leather Converse basketball shoes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. thinking, man, I have arrived. You know, <laughs> I have arrived. No more Chuck Taylors. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm playing in leather, playing in leather out here on the court, man. You know, the, the high top, you know, Converse. The ones Dr. J wore and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and all those guys. So yeah, I was that was probably my favorite favorite gift ever was the leather Converse basketball shoes. <laughs> Very neat. Yeah. It, and Sam, one year I do remember I I did the same thing. I stole a look. At the Christmas games, because <laughs> my parents weren't very good at hiding them. It was probably the worst Christmas I've ever had because I was like, you know, there I had to act like I was surprised. They eventually found out. And so I couldn't confess. It was too late. They already found out. But uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about that. And it's funny because I think we, to Mark's point, we we kind of get into this season and we get so rushed that we want to know everything. And, and I just imagine when I look back at what God has for us, you know, I, I don't want to peek at that. I, I can't wait for Christmas morning for eternity where we get to really realize the gifts that, that God has given us over the years. And we finally understand what all that was about, but also the one that's waiting on us, the big one. Can't wait to open the big present. Oh, I mean, yeah, I can wait. Sure. I, I'm not in a hurry to, you know, pass right. Away. I got you. Right. I'm not in a rush there, but, but I can't wait to, you know, spend eternity with, with the greatest gift of all. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think this is, really been quite a cleansing for you and I coming out to admit that we <laughs> probably in the already. early 80s were late 70s looking at our Christmas gifts ahead of time you know and Mark here's Mark being the good guy just you know I waited for my converse my leather <laughs> shoes and open them uh, but yeah for sure I think that uh, personally it's just it's always served Christmas has always served as a reminder uh, for me of my faith, uh, even though I try to remind myself daily, but it's always kind of that time where it seems like at least the week leading up to Christmas or even the whole month of December, you kind of get that feeling of peace and just, I, I know from a personal standpoint, you know what, just slow down a little bit. Remember the big picture, God's yeah. in control. And it's always served as a, as a good reminder this time of year that, you know, just take a step back and appreciate the things that God has given you. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, Sam, we appreciate you as as usual coming on and uh, spending some time with us and particularly the Cavs, uh, Cavs fans that are listening to the podcast to catch up on the behind the scenes, what's going on, get the real scoop from, from the guy that's there every day. So appreciate you, man. We also appreciate your heart and, and the love for the Lord and, uh, you know, if you'll have if you'll have us, we'll have you back again, you know, as we start getting through the season again. Maybe quarter, you know, maybe, you know, we're about a third of the way through, maybe two thirds we'll bring you back and then right before playoffs, hopefully, and the Cavs are are grooving and rolling by then. So we'll we'll uh continue to follow and appreciate your input uh during the course of the year. 
Well, thanks a lot for having me, and uh, I, I'm glad that you'll you'll have me back after I messed up on how many times you made the All Star team. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's always you know, by, like I said, hopefully they'll be rolling by then, and it's always more fun to talk about, and more fun for people to hear when they are rolling. So, I always appreciate you guys inviting me on. Absolutely. Well, Merry Christmas to you. For Sam, for Mark, I'm Aaron. This has been episode 59 of the Mark Price for Three podcast. We'll be back next week for episode 60. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mark Price for Three podcast. Remember to subscribe, like, review, and share. I'm Josh Price, and we will talk to you again on the next episode. You don't have to go very far looking for bad news because somehow it just finds you. So finding peace in the chaos can be really difficult, but it doesn't have to be because the River mobile app exists. The River is a Christian music radio station dedicated to playing music to help you get through life's toughest moments or life's happiest moments and everywhere in between. And all from artists who love Jesus and are real people just like you. Listening is easy. You can download it wherever you get apps from. Just search 1049 The River or listen online at riverradio.com.